0: Today, we're going to wrap up, we're going to wrap up our leadership series, Leading Like Jesus. We've been talking about what that looks like. We talk about how every person in here is a leader because you're influencing somebody. It may be the department that you run. It may be the Bible study group that you teach. It might be the family tree that you influence. Every one of us here in this room, because you influence somebody, a friend, You're a leader. And I know Satan loves to get in our heads sometimes. He loves to get in our minds. He loves to do this in the series. He likes to get in your mind and say, you, a leader? Come on. I mean, that's what Satan does. You know, Satan would say, man, you're not the president of a company. You're you're not the principal of the school. You know, you only have three people at work. You report to nobody, and nobody reports to you. Or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, and and, and the devil gets in your mind, and he says, man, all you're leading is a five-year-old and a two-year-old. But my friend, don't listen to the lies. Don't believe it. And if you're just trying to figure this out, and you're trying to say, man, I'm not sure about this, then allow me to lovingly but firmly tell you that you're looking at leadership, you're looking at life at all the wrong perspectives. I love what someone quoted this past week. You see on your handout notes, it said this, your most significant leadership accomplishment may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Never underestimate the impact of your influence. As a parent, as a grandparent, no matter who you are, and the way you live, can make an incredible impression on your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbor. So with that in mind, I want to focus on the legacy of leadership. What's your legacy as a leader? And when you think of legacy, you know, when you think of legacy, it goes beyond your workplace. It goes beyond your church. It goes beyond your family, your neighborhood. Make no mistake, you will leave a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy will you leave behind? What kind of legacy? And I want to challenge you to leave a Christ-honoring legacy that outlives your earthly life: a Christ-honoring legacy that outlives your earthly life. And as we talk about this Christ-honoring legacy, I want you a picture in your mind it's a biblical picture, if you will, but a picture of a giant tree. I want you to think about your favorite tree that's in your backyard. You know when we were living in Florida, we had some beautiful live oak in our backyard until Hurricane Ivan knocked them all down, okay? So, but we had some... Throughout the Bible, we see trees as places of refuge, a shelter. It's a picture. Uh, they, sometimes we see it compared in the scripture to a tree of righteousness or a tree of faithfulness. Uh, Solomon, he says it in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, the fruit of the righteous... It's a tree of life. John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am divine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, however, you can do nothing. Jesus didn't say, right here, he didn't say, apart from me, you can do something. Jesus didn't say that apart from me, you can have limited impact. What Jesus is saying here is that apart from me, you can do nada, zilch, nothing. It's the difference between a lifeless, withering bundle of branches versus a flourishing, fruit-filled mature tree. And today, we're going to look at some branches some branches of a legacy tree, as you will, a tree of righteousness. This is what God wants for all of us to be, that we can be planted by the the, the streams of living water, where we can be rooted in Christ so that he can grow these beautiful branches, this legacy in your life that will outlast your earthly life. I want to look at four branches in our time today. We could talk about many more than that, but I want to look at four. I want to highlight four branches, if you're taking notes, the first branch is called the branch of intentionality. The branch of intentionality. And this is so foundational for your life. Just begin with the question, where am I going? You begin with the end in mind. Where am I going in my life? Where am I headed? What is my goal? Now, again, I pray that your goal, and we just talk about this, is that your goal is to leave a Christ-honoring legacy that outlasts your earthly life. And for those of you who are single, you might be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm on the family tree. I'm a child of someone, but I am not the parent of someone. Uh, or, or maybe you're currently unemployed or perhaps you're recently retired and you fall in one of those categories that say, you know, I'm not really into leadership no more. I'm done with that. This doesn't apply to me. But let me ask you a personal question. Who would say that you are a part of their legacy? When you think about that, who? Who would say that you are a part of their legacy? In other words, Who are you pouring into? Who are you pouring into your life? Are you coaching a team? Are you leading a student group? Are you mentoring a younger employee at work? Are you supporting and encouraging your nephews and nieces? Christ wants your legacy to stretch beyond the family lines. He wants it to branch out so much further than that. We are to be intentional with our legacy and where we're going for Jesus. By the way, Jesus had a mission statement. He knew where he was going. He knew exactly where he was. And he remind people over and over and over again about his mission. Sometimes he'd be in a a crowd of a thousand people. He would talk about his mission. And then sometimes he'd be one-on-one with people, with Nicodemus, for example. Let me talk about his mission. What was God, what was Jesus' mission here on earth? You know this. We see this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission, and yet, he was so intentional about the mission. He knew where he was going. He He had crystal clarity of why he was here. And in the past year, I've been working through um, a a personal coaching, going through some coaching, one-on-one coaching, just to grow my leadership, my personal leadership. And one of the things that we've been wrestling with, personally, is my personal life call. Get very specific, that's what he was doing. It was a very interesting process. You know, to kind of work through this. And they want me to work on a statement after through a lot of different series of steps that come down through a personal life call that is my mission. This is my unique call. We call it a life call, a mission. And that is for me, for Scott, Scott inspires others to maximize their God-given potential. That's what fires me up. When I I came down with this, I said, this is what fires me up. This is what gets me out of bed in the morning. This this keeps me up. This is what I keep thinking about. How can I maximize and inspire people to maximize their God-given potential? That's a step that we had to create. I had to create something that I would put on my, quote-unquote, tombstone. Have you thought about what you would want the people to see on your tombstone, to summarize your life? And we had to come up with a tombstone tweet because as pastors, you know, uh, we would take advantage of the tombstone too much. And so we had to come up with a few words, okay? We, you know, a few last words. And so what is, what is Scott's life all about? What is your life all about? And I came up with this little tweet, this little tombstone tweet. Scott inspired others to not be bitter about their circumstances, but to make the most of their situation in life and to strive to be all they can be for Jesus Christ. So, Ken, make sure that's on my tombstone, okay? You got it? All right. Because I'm going to go first, all right? That's, the, that's how they say, right? Um, anyway. All right. Think about a mission for you personally. This is not something, you know, It takes time to really sit down and craft and say, Lord, what is it that God is calling me to do? What is it that I am aiming for in this life? And Be intentional. Now, we have an intentional mission statement here at Lay Point. You see on our wall and the hallways that you come in, and that is this, to help people take their next step with God. The win for us here at Lake Point is to see people take intentional steps to walk with God, whatever that might be. Last Sunday we celebrated baptism as we saw seven individuals take a next step for Jesus Christ, that's why we're here. We're here to see people take their next step. This week, Vacation Bible School, in case you haven't noticed, you keep walking in. Now, come on, some of you were playing with the slinkies, right, as you were coming in, right? You were, like, playing with it. And, uh, and the, we're ready for Vacation Bible School, you know, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. You know, we have 103 volunteers that say, you know what, I want to step up, and if I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me. 103 volunteers, that is awesome. That's 20% of our church that said, hey, I want to be a part of someone's life. I want to be a part of a kid's life this week to help them take a next step with God. In fact, as of this morning, I saw we had 110 kids registered for VBS. We weren't sure that we would get that many because of everything that's been going on. Well, 110 kids that are registered. I mean, we got one-to-one ratio of a volunteer versus kids. You know, so we're in good shape. What do we in good shape? You know, and uh, good. You know, it's gonna be a great week. But we want to see kids' lives being changed for the glory of God. And we want to be intentional. Why we do what we do is to help people take their next step for God. You have to be intentional if you want to leave a Christ-honoring legacy. It doesn't happen by accident. You can't just stumble into spiritual growth. You have to move intentionally on purpose to grow with God. I'm going to talk to the dads for just a minute. You have to be intentional to lead your family. In fact, it's important for you to understand that you're not just a parent in your homes. You are a disciple maker to your wife. You are a disciple maker to your kids. See, you're called not just to parent your family. You have a bigger calling than that. You're called to be, you're called to disciple your family. Big difference. You are called to disciple your family. Be intentional. You can't accidentally back your way into a Christ-honoring legacy. Here's the second branch real quick. It's the branch of humility. Humility. Now we've talked about humility several times in this series, and I don't regret talking about it again because we see in the life of Jesus, He taught it over and over and over again about humility. Not only He taught it, but He set an example of what that looked like. He taught the principle that the way to the top is to serve others at the bottom. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus said, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Exalted. The best leaders of an organization are not adults who seek the attention and the applause of others. No, no, no. The best leader in an organization are learners who realize the value of others and, and through their humility, they, they welcome critique. They welcome healthy feedback and they want to learn. They don't have this sense of entitlement. They want to learn. They want to serve alongside. They don't want to lord their position over people. They want to be a team player. They are more concerned with the team or the organization because when the team and the organization wins, everybody wins. That's humility. I, I the past week, I was uh, at, at a conference on, on, on a Monday. They brought out a retired quarterback coach, he coached the, the Georgia Bull, Bulldogs, and then went to University of Miami, and coached for several years down there. Uh, a game-winning coach, Mark Wright, Mark Wright, and uh, and, and so big-name head football coach. They brought him on the platform and talk about his, his testimony. He said, "Man, my testimony. You know, when I was a 20-year-old kid, you know, I would, I would." on my way to football at a, at a, at a, at a university. And, uh, and I had a scholarship to play quarterback. And on my way to that school, I got a phone call from the Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden was the head football coach of Florida State University. And he called him up and said, hey, I hear you're going to this school. I want you to stop by. Florida State University is kind of on your way. I want you to stop by and see me for a few minutes. And he said, okay, I'll stop by and see you. And he stopped by and talked to Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Bobby Bowden convinced him that he is to play for the Florida State University. And within an hour of a conversation, he'd been calling the other school that he was heading to and say, "You know what? I'm not coming. I am playing at the Florida State University for Bobby Bowden." And Bobby Bowden became his football coach. You may not know this, but Bobby Bowden knows the Lord Jesus has a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got a powerful testimony. The tough coach, but with a, a great Christian. Mark Wright was kind of sharing the testimony. He said, you know, I was, a, I was a person that didn't know Jesus. And here I am under the influence of Bobby Bowden. And one day, Bobby Bowden called me into his office. and said, Mark, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And he humbled himself to have a conversation with his player and led Mark to Jesus. And he's standing there talking about, it, crying. He said, man, it, it, it was just, a, you know, Bobby Bowden led me to Jesus. And now I get to lead people to Jesus. That's what he does. He's now involved in ministry. And the person that was interviewing him said, when's the last time you've seen Bobby Bowden? I said, man, I haven't seen Bobby Bowden in years." I said, what would you say to Bobby Bowden? And Mark, you know, right there on the platform, he's beginning to talk about, man, this is what I was saying. And the guy that was interviewing him said, stop, Stop! stop. I said, why don't you tell him face-to-face? I know Bobby Bowden comes walking out, 91 years old, with the cane. And they sat down, hug, and talk about the impact that Bobby has in his life. And the humility it took for a big, bold, hard-of-fame, one of the most winningest football coaches of all time. Was willing to humble himself to share the gospel. Man, humility, where you look beyond who you are and value others above you. The third branch, I want you to look at the branch of integrity. The branch of integrity. This may very well, be the most important branch on the tree because without integrity, your co worker, your, cold, uh, coworker, your, your uh, teammates, family members, without integrity, they will not trust your leadership. Got to ask yourself a question Am I a person? Am I a man? Am I a woman of integrity? You see, choices come at us at rapid-fire paces, don't they? We have to make choices all the time. And the question is, do I choose compromise or do I choose character? And we're faced with the challenge all the time. Do I face compromise or do I face character? People are watching, believe it or not. People are pressed against the glass Uh, they got their faces pressed against the glasses of your life. They're watching you. They're saying, man, he calls himself a Christian. Let's see if he acts like one. Or she calls herself a Christ follower. Let's check it out. And they are watching. Watching how you live. Integrity. It's the choices we have. By the way, I think it's interesting that in the word integrity, It's the word grit. It takes grit, right? It takes grit to make the tough choices, to make the right choices, to have the difficult conversations. It takes grit to do right. In a world that will pressure us to compromise, it takes grit to stand up and do right. A few years ago, the Reader's Digest Told a story about a businessman in Southfield, Michigan, and they were having an office party, and his office assistant, or his office administrative assistant, had a little too much, to, you know, drink, and he's like, "You know what? I need to, you know, take her home, and uh, because she can't drive by herself going home, so he um, offered to take her home and." And it's thought about, you know, do I tell my wife or do I not tell my wife that I'm taking my office administrative home because she had too much to drink? But she's like, you know what? It can be too much to explain, and she may not understand. I'm not going to call my wife. I'm not going to let her know. I'm just going to take her home drop her off, and then I'm headed home, and I'll pick her up. And so he takes his office administrative, or his administrative assistant home, drops her off. And then he heads head to the house. He's to pick her up because they have a reservation for a dinner you know, that they had to get to. So he pulls in the driveway, she hops into the car, and, and they're on their way to a dinner reservation. And halfway to the restaurant, he glanced on the floorboard on the passenger side and saw half exposed under the passenger seat a high heel shoe. And he panicked. He's like, oh, no. How am I going to explain this one? And then he come up with a plan. He you know what? When she's not paying attention, I'm going to grab that high-heeled shoes. I'm going to throw it out the window. <laughs> and sure enough, she's looking out the window, not paying attention. and one fell swoop, grab that high-heeled shoe, roll down the window, threw it out. No big deal. So he told that he pulled into the parking lot and noticed his wife was just kind of uh, squirming around and trying to figure out. He said, honey, what is going on? And he said, man, I'm having a problem. Have you seen my other pair of shoes? Sometimes it's the small things that we need to be faithful in. The truth will always come out in the end. You know, Jesus said it well in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. For well, they will see God. The pure in heart. For they will see God. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3 the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Integrity is doing the right thing for God, not what you want for yourself. Integrity is doing the right thing when nobody else is looking. That's the fourth branch. That's the branch of consistency. The branch of consistency. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I know that none of us can live a perfect life like Jesus. None of us are Jesus. He's God's son. He's unchanging. He's totally, 100% consistent. So whether you're a baby Christian or you're a mature Christian, there will be times when your behavior betrays your beliefs. All of us, none of us are perfect. So when I'm talking about consistency, here's what I'm talking about. Overall, how will you be characterized by others? In the highs and the lows, how will people see you? What story do you tell? when things are going well? What story do you tell about Jesus when things aren't going so well? It's the question of consistency. Consistency. You learn a lot about an individual based on how they handle suffering in life. This past week, again, I, I had a chance to listen to David Jeremiah, famous, uh, you know, well-known pastor, wrote lots of books. Tells a story about a trip that he and his wife took to, to, to Switzerland, to the Matterhorn, one of the most projected mountain peaks in the world. And it's crazy how many people can climb to the top of that peak, go straight up. But people do it all the time. David Jeremiah said that while he was there, he noticed that um, there was a cemetery on the base of the mountain called Mountaineer's Cemetery. Mountaineer's Cemetery. And most of the people that's buried there are people that died climbing the mountain. And as he discovered is that most of the people that died in that that were buried in that cemetery they died not climbing up the mountain. Most of them died while they were coming down from the mountain. And David Jeremiah made this profound statement: You see this on your note. We are the most we are the most vulnerable to failure after we achieve our greatest. Success. See, my friend, how you handle the highs and lows of leadership will reveal how you are growing in this branch of consistency. So you gotta decide now, man, I'm gonna be consistent. And the highs and the lows, that doesn't mean that we, our emotions, you know, they go up and down, I get it, because we're human. But at the end of the day, we gotta be consistent to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's part of the legacy tree, this branch that God wants us to grow. Now last August, uh, George W. Bush spoke at the Global Leadership Summit. We had that, we kind we of did, did a, a, a small group of it here. This year, we got it again, the Global Leadership Summit, come August. We got the information in the program. I invite you to come and be a part of it. And they interviewed George W. Bush last August. And, uh, and he made a statement about the topic that we're covering today, and it's so profound, and just what he said. He said, words don't write a legacy. Action do. Your action shows your legacy. Actions will always speak louder than our words. So my question for you today is, what action do you need to take? As we talk about these four different branches, internet, intentionality, we talk about the branch of humility, integrity, consistency. He said, man, I need to take action. I want to talk about it. I want to do something about it. What actions do you need to take to grow this legacy tree so that you can live a Christ honoring life that outlasts your earthly life? Let me say this it's never too late. It's never too late to start growing your legacy tree, the tree of righteousness. If you're a first generation Christian, Use what God has given you now and change things for the good. Stop the domino effect of failures of the past in your family and say, you know what? We're going to make a change. We're going to make a difference. We're going to start influencing my family from here on forth and leave a legacy for our name, for Jesus. Maybe you're in the fourth quarter of your life. It's never too late. It's never too late to start, to finish strong, to start that tree. Perhaps you're here and you don't know Jesus. Not too late. He will come into your life, rebuild, redeem, restore all the broken pieces of your life, and you can start a legacy that honors Christ that outlast your life. Make no mistake, my friend. You will leave a legacy. The question is, what kind will it be? Will it be the one that honors Christ, or will it be the one without Christ? Our God, we thank you for your word, we thank you for all of us here. We ask you to help us to grow a tree of righteousness for your glory, so that we can influence others, not for just this life, but the life that we continue on beyond our lives. When people look back and say, there was a man, there was a woman, of character, who knew where he was going, was consistent to live a humble life. It wasn't about them. At the end of the day, they lived their life for you. God, I pray that be our heart's desire today. In Jesus' name, amen.